0: Was America's first female serial killer just the victim of fake news? I'm Patti Steele, executed thanks to public opinion, next on The Backstory. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, if we're being honest, we all have stuff in our lives that drive us crazy. Maybe it's a job, a difficult relationship or love interest, or honestly, it can just be the state of this crazy world we live in. For me, it's all three of those things at times. A lot of times it's not a big deal, but in the moment, it sure feels like it is, right? So how do you come to terms with those stressors and not let the negativity weigh you down? For me, therapy has always been a haven where I can open up, talk about what's eating at me, and trust that this person will be honest, understanding, and discreet. Therapy isn't just for folks who've had major trauma. It's for you and me, so we can be at peace and become the best version of ourselves. When I connected with a terrific therapist at BetterHelp, she asked some on-point questions, and I actually heard myself working through some of the issues I'd kept bottled up. What a relief.
1: We're back with the backstory.
0: Well, we're all experts on fake news these days, right? But that's really been a thing from the time news was invented. It's called marketing. Somebody has an agenda, and there's nothing better than mass media to get your point across, even if it's a crock of, well, you know. Victims of fake news have included everybody from Julius Caesar to Marie Antoinette to pretty much every U.S. president on both sides of the aisle. And then there are people who are falsely accused of crimes, who pay the price, only to be found not guilty, sometimes years and years after the fact. That's where the Innocence Project gets involved. Now, here's a story somewhere in the middle, has a lot of shades of gray in it. This journey takes us to the early 19th century, to Charleston, South Carolina. Lavinia Fisher and her husband John are accused of highway robbery, a crime punishable by death at that time but she was also suspected of being America's first female serial killer. She and her husband were hung, but were they simply victims of an anxious press, hearsay, or even a flawed justice system? The year is 1820. Charleston was a powerful city, a hub of commerce, second only to New York City at that time. Lavinia Fisher was a gorgeous young woman, 26 years old, who along with her husband, John Fisher, ran the Six Mile Wayfarer House, an inn for travelers located just outside Charleston. But there's a problem. In this comfortable inn, some crazy stuff is happening. Legend has it, Lavinia was also a cold-blooded killer. There was talk that she would charm the guests, talk to them about their travels, and gather information about their possessions. Night would fall. She'd continue to chat with them and then serve them some warm tea before bed. But that tea was laced with an herb that would send them into a very deep sleep. Gossip had it that the traveler, now fast asleep, would be laid on a bed that, with the pull of a lever, would open a trap door and drop the body into a pit, maybe one lined with spikes to finish the job. One person at the Fisher's trial testified that she had offered him some tea, but he wasn't a fan of tea. Not wanting to seem rude, he took it, but he dumped it out when she wasn't looking. He said he was nervous about her and her husband and decided to sit all night in a chair propped against the door of his room rather than get into bed. Then, in the middle of the night, he said he heard a loud crash and he watched his bed fall through the floor. But here's the question. How much of this is true? Historical records show that Lavinia and John Fisher were arrested, but actually not for murder. They were snagged on charges of highway robbery, which in fairness, again, was a serious crime in those days, often ending in execution. And no bodies were ever found, nor were any tunnels underneath the bedrooms found. While they were locked up, gossip about the Fisher's crimes grew morphing into a crazy story of robbery and serial killings. The problem is, the trial that followed was less about factual evidence and more about a kind of theater of public outrage and fear. Kind of reminds you of the Salem witch trials, right? Once the gossip grew loud enough, everybody wanted their pound of flesh. Anyway, that's likely what happened to Lavinia and her husband, bad press. But were they bad folks? Oh, you bet they were. Were they killers? Probably not. Records from the trial are pretty non-existent, and again, no bodies were found at the Six Mile Wayfarer house or any tunnels. Ultimately, they were found guilty of highway robbery after a very fast and tumultuous trial. There was an appeal, but no surprise, Lavinia and John Fisher were finally sentenced to hang. So why was Lavinia Fisher remembered as a serial killer? Most historians think she was absolutely a criminal, but likely not a killer. You see, forensic information in the early 19th century was very different from what we have today. And as far as the news goes, we have instant access now. Back then, you really only had two options for taking in the news, print, like newspapers and pamphlets, and after that, word of mouth. Gossip was huge. And let's not be too judgy. Today, we may have a million different sources of information, but did you ever stop to think how many of those stories feed off the same source? The problem is, just like today, stories could get blown way out of proportion. And again, just like today, public opinion could sometimes sway the justice system and the outcome of trials. So what's Lavinia's real story? Well, we do know she was a member of a big gang of highwaymen outlaws who terrorized the area with targeted robberies. Apparently, the Six Mile House, that's the inn owned by Lavinia and her husband, was a notorious hangout for outlaws in the Charleston area. And the couple definitely targeted travelers for robbery. Funny enough, Lavinia and John Fisher thought they were going to get out of this mess right up until the end. Housed in the same tiny cell, they plotted an escape. Late one night, using bed sheets tied together, John slipped out of the window in their cell and made it most of the way down to ground level until the sheets tore, trapping Lavinia above. He refused to leave without her and was caught. After that, they were held more securely. Eventually, John found God. Lavinia, not so much. She still thought she'd find a way out. As they headed to the gallows, with a crowd of 2,000 watching the festivities... John begged for mercy. He told people he was not guilty, that they were making a mistake. He had a reverend read a letter to the crowd in which he said he was a Christian and simply the victim of a flawed justice system. Although he then sort of contradicted himself by asking for forgiveness for what he'd done. As for Lavinia, she stayed coldly composed. But in her final moments, as the noose was slipped around her neck, her last words were kind of scary. She said, If you have a message for the devil, tell me now, for I shall be seeing him shortly. I'm Patti Steele. The Backstory is a production of iHeartMedia, Premier Networks, the Elvis Duran Group, and Steel Trap Productions. Our producer is Doug Fraser. Our writer, Jake Kushner. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Feel free to reach out to me with comments and even story suggestions on Instagram at RealPattiSteele and on Facebook at Patti Steele. Thanks for listening to The Backstory with Patti Steele, the pieces of history you didn't know you needed to know. dot com.